Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Titanic. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast as we talk about a whole bunch of other stuff as well. And, you know, it's Titanic. But just in case it's the kind of thing that bothers you, you should be aware that there are a few plot spoilers for the film Titanic ahead. Enjoy. Hello. Good afternoon. How are you? Good. I was um, just eating a Milky Way, and you almost caught me, but I, I finished. <laughs> yeah, Shame I, I didn't. finished just before we came on. It's a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day. It's the perfect day to be outside for five hours, cutting back a hedge and getting really grumpy. Is that what you did? Which is which is what I've been doing. Yeah. How was it? It is. It is horrendous. Gard- gardening is one of my least favorite things. Oh, really? Um, I really, I really hate gardening, and I always have done. You don't have green fingers. Um, I do not have green fingers. Um, my fingers are very much pink, as you can see on the thing. Um, yeah, and so we've our house has a um, horrendous hedge that grows incredibly quickly, um, and is incredibly ugly, and so you have to sort of deal with it quite a lot. Um, and unfortunately. Yeah, I decided today was the day to do it because it was getting a little bit unwieldy. Um, and so I didn't even get all of it done today either. Wow. Four or five hours out there. How how big is and, this hedge? Um, is Like, since I last came to your house, has it just been completely overwhelmed by a hedge? Is it just like literally yes. a hedge, like a hedge sort of fort around the house that you have to cut your way through? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's like the trees out of Evil Dead where they move constantly. Um, so, yeah, it's exactly like that. Um, no, I mean, the problem was that I, the, the hedge hadn't been cut back on our house for quite a long time before we moved in. Um, you're talking years here. And so our job has been, well, my job has been to maintain it at the level of awful and where possible, cut it back a little bit more. And so I've, so today has been a cut it back a little bit more day, but it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. And you couldn't replace still it. Needs, still needs a lot of work. With a f- you could do, but it, like a it, fence it would, or it would cost a big wall of gnomes or something. Like... <laughs> um, it would cost way too much money yeah. to do that. We do not have the we do not have the cash to uh, fork out to get rid of a hedge and install something. I'm just going to put it out there. So we're just kind of gnomes left with are it. creepy as hell. How do you feel about gnomes? Gnomes are creepy as hell. I really don't like that kind of lawn ornament. Um, my parents really love them. Um, they have lots of gnomes and um, they have some other fantastic and wonderful things, um, including like a ceramic goat <laughs> and a ceramic monkey, a chimpanzee and stuff like that. Um, See, I'm, I'm so, fine yeah. with that. that that's and, like, that's got a bit of character, you know, but some, the idea of, I don't know what it is about gnomes. It's their little faces. I guess it's the same as like listeners who heard our podcast around Christmas time will remember my, my deep loathing of the elf on the shelf and his strange little plastic boy Michael Gove Victorian haunted doll face and like I can't I think gnomes are kind of similar aren't they yeah I don't and I think also if you um if you grew up with sort of like fairy tales 
of nasty fairies and like impish creatures like that gnomes are a little bit like weird and like there's lots of there's lots of folklore about gnomes being mischievous and things like that it's like i don't want that shit in my garden yeah you're supposed to hide you're supposed to hide them and that kind of thing or they're like stealing your keys and stuff like yeah yeah that's always the big joke i remember a gary larson cartoon called the car key gnomes and little gnomes like hiding the car keys around the house so putting them under the sofa and stuff that's That's it that's gnomes Although, um, friend of the podcast, Oliver Carey, has been pushing for some time for us to watch Gnomeo and Juliet, but I just, I think I'm going to find it creepy and weird, even if it is genuinely very, very funny. Have you seen um, it? The name alone puts me off. Um, (laughs) There's too much pun there in the title of a film. Yeah. And um, I think Up and Coming is Sherlock Gnomes, of course, which is made by the same people. You just think it's yeah, literally isn't, isn't one of the gnomes wearing a thong and dancing around? Doesn't that happen? Something like that. That sounds like the kind of, the kind of vulgar nonsense that they think makes a good children's movie these days. Yeah, I'm looking forward to um, the kids' movie that is just like 90 minutes of pure ultra violence, but with slapstick humour. Yeah, um, with lots of mooning. Yeah, and vulgar and dancing to a popular song from the charts that the kids know. Yeah, because I'm happy. Yeah. Um, except it's it's a minion repeatedly punching a man in the face for 90 minutes as the face gets more and more deformed. A minion stamping on a human face forever. <laughs> <laughs> minions as well. I'm not down with the minions. Oh, I love a good I, minion. I, I thought Despicable Me 1 and 2 were okay. But then after that, it's just it just got really stupid. Although, if you're five years old, you love it. And that's who it's for, isn't it? It's not for me. Exactly. It's not aimed at me. I, I, I really love uh, Despicable Me 1 and Despicable Me 2. I think they're very, very funny. And there's, lo- there's lots of quotable lines in them as well. Um, so I think in terms of kids' movies, they're, they're some of the few that are up there with Pixar in terms of enjoyment factor. Um, Minions itself was clearly very much, you know... Um, whereas, like, there was something there for the for the mums and dads to enjoy with Despicable Me one and two. Minions was very much aimed purely at kids will laugh at this. Yep. Fuck you, parents who've taken this <laughs> your kids to the cinema to see this. You're going to get bored for an hour and a half. And um, I quite like that in a way because I think often with kids' films they do try too hard to appeal to the parents, don't they? Or to try and be like have throw in gags for the parents or that kind of thing, where it just ends up falling a bit flat and confusing the kids. It's a difficult balance to strike, and I don't envy anyone trying to um, to make a kids' film who has to try and get that balance right. But yeah, sometimes they try too hard. So if they've just gone, look, this is for kids. If you're a parent, take it, take your kid to see it. They'll love it. If you don't, well, boo-hoo. You've done good parenting by taking them to see it, right? Exactly. Oh dear, you've been inconvenienced for an hour and a half by having to watch this movie. <laughs> Whereas I think what, what a tragedy. <laughs> having a child is probably 18 plus years of being inconvenienced all the time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I imagine um, the, the studio behind uh, the Minions movies and Despicable Me um, they are doing the uh, next Super Mario movie oh what, what, what re- rewind there's a, there's a new Super Mario movie there is it's not going to be a, a cyberpunk horrible dystopian uh, ultra-violent uh, like nasty movie like the original one well then you can <laughs> count me it's out it's going to be a it's gonna be there's no there's no John Leguizamo. 
or um, or anything like that. There's there's no Blade Runner overtones. It is just going to be an animated movie about Mario and Co. Okay, that does um, sound cool. Which which yeah, it sounds really cool. I, I I have a real soft spot in my heart for the Super Mario Brothers movie from the nineties. Yeah, I really yeah. love it. It's great fun. We should talk about that at some point. Yeah, I don't know if there's sufficient romance in it to, well, for us to. Is it not about rescuing a princess? What's more romantic than rescuing a princess? Uh, all right, White Knight. <laughs> Sorry, not to get all incel on you. Just, yeah, just because a woman might be in a spot of trouble doesn't mean that you, A, have to rescue her, B, she must reward you with romantic inclinations after the rescue. Slash C, she must compliment your fedora and your use of words like my liege. <laughs> hey, f- fuck the incel movement. Um I, as you know, I, I, I'm fascinated by like the horrible places on the internet. Yeah, and um, I mean that—that that was so, where like, I first found you. <laughs> That's where I found me, just in a cave with a laptop, going, "Have you seen what's happening on Reddit at the moment?" <laughs> yeah. Um, I was yeah. Like, Tell and, me and... about the four chans. <laughs> Jackie Chan. <laughs> um, that's the best Chan. Um, He's the best. The, chan. And yeah, so like the incel thing was this weird, uh, I was already aware of that. It was this weird curiosity of incredibly horrible human beings. And so like reading about, reading about the movement through the eyes of someone who isn't sort of like aware of the kind of communities that the internet sort of cultivates. um, It's been really interesting seeing how places have tried to um, explain it to normal human beings instead of weirdos like me. Um, and and so it's it's been very interesting to see that, um, particularly people on the right wing desperately trying to covet and try and support these horrible, nasty pieces of shit. Yeah, has been, trying has been to really sort of interesting. humanize them and make out that they aren't as problematic as they seem when they their intentions are literally rape and murder. And yeah, that's, on literally, the right. that's literally what it's about. Have you seen all this stuff this week? I don't want to go on about this for ages, but they've been talking about like the the distribution of sex. And as if it's a, as if sex is a commodity to be distributed like money, and it's like people are actually sort of vaguely taking that idea seriously when it's fucking insane. No, and I mean that everyone's—it's a whole thing of people on the right wing supposedly coming up with these radical ideas that actually have been around for millennia, and like you know what there was—you did used to force people to have sex, and it was horrendous. And <laughs> don't, don't do that. We've come past that entire like era of human existence if these people can't find someone who they want to have a relationship with then it's not on society to try and reward these people in a way that they deem acceptable um and it, and it's really weird because uh, there's quite a few people on the right who even though this these kind of people are like their core demographic of, of readers um they clearly had no inclination to actually understand them at all so there's been lots of people saying like oh yes well surely you know sex work and things like that sex workers would be able to facilitate this it's like no these people hate sex workers they 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 hate women their 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 entire thing is violence towards women and they despise sex workers more than anybody else like you don't want to put those people who are already in a vulnerable situation into the hands of these would-be monsters yeah it's not to and to to try and you know not say that you know to try and refute the argument that that these people should be a bit more humanized isn't to say that they aren't you know necessarily vulnerable people who need help 
that that's that's kind of a given but people on the right will always use it to say oh well you're on the left you're all about like redistributing wealth or this kind of thing but why aren't you about redistributing sex and it's like because well that's not what it is sex is an intimate act between two people it's not a commodity it's not something that can be measured you know in monetary terms in the same way although obviously people do pay for it which is obviously related it is part of that nexus but yeah and like the the whole ultimately incels think they are owed sex and nobody is owed it by anything in the same way that i do think as someone on the left um society does not necessarily owe everyone but society should function and is pos and could function in a way in such a way as to make sure everybody had their basic needs met we look at the pyramid of maslow's hierarchy of needs you know food shelter warmth and health all of those things could very very easily be given to every single person on this planet but sex it doesn't shouldn't necessarily be rolled into that you know no you, no one's died of not having sex um you know flint michigan still doesn't have clean water Je- jesus christ yeah where, where 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 where's all of the outrage over that from the right wing whereas they're trying to sort of like make sure that their their little their little ugly boys uh, are having sex with someone who doesn't despise them yeah um fuck off incels fuck off yeah. entirely you're awful people and anyone who tries to legitimize them and support them can fuck off as well i'm looking at you toadmeister oh jesus christ that guy he's he's still there you know like a bad stain that you can't clean off he somehow still has columns they're still there they pop up he hasn't been discredited discredited somehow this is the thing these people always manage to bounce back don't they how do they do yeah, it yeah because well somewhere's always willing to give them a space to shout uh, to shout down a load of shit um yeah. like there's always the daily mail there's always the spectator yeah there's always there's, the express the there's spectator, always which is just the Daily Mail with a posh accent, isn't it? Yeah. Um, there's always Infowars, there's always Fox News. They're always around, they're always going to sensationalise, they're always going to be populist in the worst possible way. Um, yeah. But o- only one of those sells magical brain powder. It is true. Um, you know, you need that to get through your day. Um, I will always have a place in my heart for Infowars because although it is a racist, sexist, homophobic, nonsense place um, where they're especially concerned about frogs turning gay um <laughs> they actually yeah <laughs> have you not seen the um the no. alex jones meme um turn That's the awesome. freaking frogs gay it's spectacular um yeah at the very least they've never tried to con people into uh consuming a soy-based uh supplicant to try and boost their energy whilst at the same time stating how awful soy is for humans uh, particularly for men because of a reduced level of testosterone, which is complete bullshit. Um, and calling people soy boys. And calling people soy boys. I'm proud to be a soy boy. <laughs> I like soy. <laughs> I'm all, I'm alright with tofu. It's fine. It's a bit boring. It's, it, I, like, I, I only like fir- firm tofu. You only like firm tofu? Yeah. yeah. Silken tofu is absolutely disgusting. It's, it's revolting. I, I find them all just bland and inoffensive. Um, and so yeah. I find it amazing that anybody gets either super positive or super irate about tofu. It, it's like being like, you know what's great? Vanilla ice cream. Hmm. I thought you were going to say vanilla ice. 
Oh dear! You know who yeah, wasn't I can't in Titanic? Get up about Vanilla Ice. <laughs> Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice wasn't in Titanic. He would have. He would have done all right, wouldn't he? He could have. He could have been Billy Zane. What the hell happened to Billy Zane? Like, I was thinking. I genuinely don't think I have seen a single film with him in after Titanic. But maybe I'm not watching the right kind of films. But you know what? What happened to him? What did happen to Billy Zane? Let's have a little look. Um, He's bald in his Wikipedia picture. Which actually suits yes. him quite a lot. Yeah, I he think. looks cool with a bald head. Yeah, um, he looks like I'd imagine he does some some villain work in these these Avenger films that they have now. Or is that is that a step too far? Is that I, I haven't I haven't seen him do that. Um, let's have a little look. He's done a lot of work, an awful lot. He's in multiple things every year. Wait, hold um, the hold the front page. I found I found it. In January 2017, Zayn appeared in a commercial for KFC as a gold-coloured Colonel Sanders to pitch the restaurant chain's newest limited-time flavour, Georgia Gold Honey Mustard Barbecue Chicken. There we go. I mean, <laughs> you can't get <laughs> higher than that, can you? Um, yeah, let's... Because um, it's intriguing. Like, And I do think his performance in Titanic is quite good, to be fair. Yeah, he's, he's, he's my favourite thing about the film. Yeah. Um, it, it does say that he's most famous for playing Caledon Hockley in the epic romantic disaster <laughs> film Titanic. There's nowhere in the film is he ever referred to as Caledon. <laughs> he's just Cal. He's a regular he's guy. He's just Cal. Cal. Or, or alternatively, he's Billy Zane. Um, which, yeah. So I, I'm intrigued to see why his career... I don't want to say it went downhill after this, but... No, that would be unfair. Like, he hasn't made another big big movie he was in blood rain from the looks of it which is never a good sign it's one of those your bowl um video oh, game movies i've never seen any of his films but isn't he <laughs> oh my like god man aren't aren't they all just like some kind of massive european tax avoidance thing they are indeed they are indeed um and it's spectacular um he was I'm in the scorpion king 3 battle for redemption oh, in dear. 2012 i think i remember seeing the scorpion king 1 when I was in my early teens and still impressionable, but even then I thought, what a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, it's not um it's not a great not a great movie, I'm not gonna lie. In um, fact, so... I think that might have been one of the first ever films that I saw in the cinema where I realised it was bad. You know when like you're a kid, you, every time you go to the cinema you think it's amazing because it's the cinema and you haven't quite developed that critical faculty. I think the Scorpion King was a turning point in my critical faculty. <laughs> that was the first movie you watched where you thought, wait a minute. This might not be so good. Yeah, this is bad. <laughs> um, yeah, so I wonder. I wonder why he did what he did. So he's been in like the odd thing here and there. Yeah, but never anything as big as this. And I don't know whether it's because it came off the back of he was in a very very bad um, flop. Because um, he was in the the uh, the Phantom. What's the Phantom? Which is a which is a comic book movie adaptation. Oh, a very okay. Old yep. comic book, um, and he was in that in uh, the year it came out. The year before Titanic, right? So I don't know whether obviously by that point Titanic was already being made, um, but I don't know whether the hangover of the Phantom like permanently damaged his career. Maybe, maybe it seems like he's done quite a wide range of stuff and a lot of quite interesting stuff. He just hasn't done anything that's been massive. And I guess you assume with a film that is as massive as Titanic, and it, the Titanic as a film is massive in every sense of the word, 
um, you expect him to have gone on to just become this huge superstar um, in the same way that it did for the careers of Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. Because his role is really is the number three, isn't it? Yeah, he, he, he's the third most important person in the film, except for the iceberg. <laughs> yeah, um, icebergs clearly, are people too. clearly number one. Icebergs are people too. Um, <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever seen any of the animated knockoffs of James Cameron's Titanic, by the way, Paddy? No. There, there, there's a handful of incredibly bad um, animated movies, kind of done in the style of, you know, Anastasia. Oh, blimey, yeah. Um, the, the DreamWorks kind of... 90s attempts to be as good as Disney that were never quite as good as Disney, but we're just about okay, you know? You got your Cleopatra, yeah, exactly. not Cleopatra, um, um, Anastasia. Um, <laughs> you got the Prince of Egypt, which we used to watch in religious studies class all the time. You got yeah, cause, the Swan Princess. Because a lot of them were made by Fox Animation Studios, weren't they? Um, uh, so, and they, they were, um, it was Don Bluth, who's an incredible filmmaker, who did yeah. like, The Secret of Nim and American Tale and everything like that. I love an American um, Tale. And, and they got brought in, uh, and they did, they did Anastasia and they did, uh, Titan AE was their last movie, which was, um, which was a stunning movie that did incredibly badly. Yeah. <laughs> so that, so it, it, I never so saw it. So it was a huge flop, wasn't it? It, it did incredibly poorly, uh, so much so that it killed Fox Animation Studios altogether. Oh no! Um, and uh, but it's it's a really good film. It's like the best. It's it's like the best Star Wars movie of that era of filmmaking. It feel it has that same kind of adventure feel, um, hmm. and much better than the, than the Star Wars prequels. Um, and yeah, so it kind of it kind of uh, petered out. But yeah, so it was them and DreamWorks trying to trying to fight Disney at the time to yeah. a mixed amount of success a lot of them have gone on to be quite cult following films yeah um and and this was not in any way uh as as good uh the these um these animated movies um are, are not anywhere near as good as these fox animation or dreamworks animated um films um but instead are real bad straight to video movies with talking animals and everything like that and there was um, actually a fair amount of that stuff going on in the 90s wasn't there around 97 yeah um yeah there, there's all sorts of that kind of thing and obviously you you had like at the time you had um a lot of movies about um supposed real events or like supposed real world myths so you had like the road to el dorado which is a great movie um, things like the Prince of Egypt, things like Anastasia. Um, and so, yeah, you had these, I think there was two or three animated movies about the sinking of the Titanic made off the back of uh, James Cameron's hugely successful film. Um, the, the the best one that I can think of, I think it is, uh, I think it's, there was one that was made by a Spanish-American uh, team. Um, and it, and, it ends with not the Titanic sinking, because obviously that's a downer for the kids. They don't want to see that. Yeah. But instead, the Titanic starts sinking that then gets saved by a helpful octopus that pushes it back <laughs> to the surface. <laughs> that's adorable. Um, yeah, which, you know, uh, so, so saves, these are like, the kids from crying. These are serious films, then. They're not like piss takes. No, these are legitimately made movies. I wouldn't say call them serious. I'd call them um, horrible cash-ins. Right, yeah vampire movies 
Yeah, I mean, I remember to suck that... on the blood of a more successful film. <laughs> that whole period, sort of ninety-seven to two thousand, everything was Titanic, wasn't it? Everyone was cashing in on it. Like you go, you go in Sainsbury's, you just want to buy a banana. It's a Titanic branded banana. You know, you you just you know, it was Titanic this, Titanic that. It got a bit boring, didn't it? Yeah, Titanic was everywhere. Um, and obviously the 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 theme tune from Celine Celine Dion, that was top of the charts for however many weeks. You could not walk into um, a shop without hearing that song. No, you'd watch Top of the Pops every week, and it would be the final song. The 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 yeah, Celine Dion like had a almost, residency. It was almost as bad as the Robin Hood song by Brian Adams. Everything um, I do. Which I think that that was top of the charts for so long that they stopped playing the entire thing at the end of Top of the Pops because people were so bored of it that they just played a little snippet of it, if I remember correctly, because it was there for so long people kept buying that. Yeah, I thought you were going to say it was top of the charts for so long that they just gave up on the charts. They just stopped. (laughs) It's like, right, that's it. Brian Adams has won the charts. This is it. (laughs) Although I don't hate Brian Adams. I think it's 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 fashionable to hate him, and it's it's obvious to hate him. I think he's he seems like a very nice Canadian old legend, and some of his songs that one, that one was Cheryl Crow. I like that one. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't I don't mind him. He's fine. And that one, I'm gonna run to you. He's he he's a fine middle of the road pop rock musician. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, he's he's no Nickelback, obviously. No, no, obviously. But could there be Nickelback without Brian Adams? That's true. They couldn't. Uh, Nickelback are effectively what happens if you if you chuck Brian Adams and Pearl Jam into a blender, <laughs> and, yeah, and then drink what comes out of the other side. How's that for a mental image? <laughs> Sounds like the the dinner of someone who never made it as a wise man. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't cut it as a poor man either. Yeah, he's not in good shape, is he? <laughs> Uh, this Chad is Kroger. how you remind me of an released pill jam. This is how you remind me. <laughs> when um when we first got cable TV, that song was on Kerrang and MTV Two, like literally every third song. Yeah, it was on constantly. Um, old Chad, are they old still Chad. around? Nickelback. Yeah, they keep about going. Two, two or three years ago, they had that song that was like a disco song. Where he's like playing an explorer guitar, and there's lit like a disco ball, and there's lots of scantily clad women dancing around, and it's yeah, it like sounds like Stevie Wonder, and it's mad, and it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, they. I think what's great about Nickelback is that like they tried, they they started out being quite serious rock musicians, and like you listen to their early stuff, and it's clear that they're just going for that grunge vibe. Even the How You Remind Me album is very much just like a, a post grunge album, um, but then. As they got popular off the back of that, they then decided to um, just be like, well, fuck it, let's just make some pop music instead. Everyone hates us. Let's just do what will make us a load of money and, like, keep our fans happy. And so, like, they just rode the wave of hatred um, and just kept making great stuff. And that's a great example of it, where it's just like, yeah, we'll do, like, a disco pop song. It's fine. Yeah. The people You've got who are to own angry it, about it. You? Yeah. If people respond to your work in that way, you have to own it. And I actually have to say... Um, Canadian filmmaker, also Canadian filmmaker James Cameron is not dissimilar to that, right? Because obviously Titanic is one of the biggest films of all time, but it's, it's still regarded as a bit of a kind of a cheesy, kind of cheapo, populist nonsense film, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 Cameron is. I think I think the great thing about Cameron is that he he really doesn't care 
what other people think about him. No. Um, like, and, and you look at his track record of making good movies and making solid movies, um, and he's one of the best in the business for it. There's so few duds out there. Even movies that, like, these days are perceived as hokey or not very good, they still made a load of money. They still won a load of awards. Um, and at the time, were, were received incredibly well. So, like, Avatar, most people around these days are kind of over Avatar. Um, but, like, the the phenomenon that was Avatar um at the time was incredible um you had people like genuinely wishing that they lived on giant blue elf planet yeah it's really really interesting how you say his stuff is always well received when it first came out and then it comes out and then seems to decline over time whereas there are a lot of filmmakers who have the the opposite effect where uh, films like like just going back to titan ae for example as the most recent example of a film we talked about like this people dislike it at the time but then it becomes a cult classic it's interesting that james cameron is like the anti he's the anti-cult classic director yeah and and some of his movies have held up incredibly well in terms of popular opinion so like the terminator movies that he was responsible for uh, are still seen as some of the best action movies of all time um his alien sequel is the only good alien sequel um and 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 so he does have a load of great movies under his belt and then he he does have the odd cult classic as well um, because he directed The Abyss, which I don't know if we've talked about on here before. No, we haven't, um, and I've never seen it. So this it, actually made me realise that I, there, I actually have not seen a lot of James Cameron's work. I've seen the Terminator films, which are very good. Um, I've obviously seen Titanic. I've never even seen Avatar. I've hardly seen any of his work. Oh, well, there we go. Um, and and yeah, so so The Abyss is the one box office bomb in his roster. Um, which was, I think it was moderately well received by critics, um, particularly for the visual effects. It was one of the real forerunners. And and you can see in The Abyss, like the stepping stones towards Titanic in terms of filming underwater right. and things like that. Because which he's really he's, obsessed with, isn't he? He, he is incredibly obsessed with it. And it started um, just before uh, the filming of The Abyss, effectively. So he did loads of work before that, prepping for sort of underwater filming and things like that. Um, but The Abyss is this wonderful slow burn science fiction movie, um, which everybody hated making. Um, you had a couple of people who nearly died in the making of it. Um, the the chef, I, I think this is the film where the chef was so unhappy with um, with what was going on on set that a load of the the um, catering crew spiked the food. Uh, and stuff like that it, it was an incredibly bad place to be a lot of the actors who are in it like refused to talk about it people like ed harris um they really really hated working on on this film um wow. but over time it's got this really it's, it's it has become this cult classic because people have recognized how interesting it was and how different it was um but yeah then he kind of followed it up with titanic which is like the be all and end all of the popular romantic action disaster movie yeah. And you can see you can see Titanic like Titanic left such a huge impact on filmmaking. Um everything from like its blockbuster status, the way that it ties in soundtrack, um, the way that it sort of like created this romance disaster, which you see in, in everything these days. Um mm-hmm. and, and immediately afterwards, like, what is Pearl Harbor, for instance? Oh yeah. Um yeah. if not an attempt to redo Titanic. Um you can even uh, and and parallels have been made to like George Lucas in the Star Wars prequels, 
like trying to recreate that kind of romantic edge. Yeah. Um, with Anakin I honestly had never made Padme. that link, but that's totally true. The kind of the the largesse of it and the hubris of it, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Um, there's a, there's a similar approach there, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. There de- there definitely is. Um, and so it it had this huge legacy, and although. Titanic's one of those films that a lot of people criticize these days. Its impact is like, it's not up for debate. It, it was hugely impactful. It made a load of money. It won a load of awards. Didn't it win the um, most it, Academy Awards ever? I think time. it did until, until Lord of the Rings came out. Oh. And then Lord of the Rings surpassed it. Until Peter Jackson made his film nine times. <laughs> oh, now, I, now, I if really you want to love... talk about... I love the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but I've never watched any of the Hobbit ones because I just think the idea of making three films out of the Hobbit is just so utterly cynical that it fills me with loathing. The Hobbit is um, something for the show notes. Uh, Lindsay Ellis is an amazing um, YouTube critic, for a YouTube film critic, who did this wonderful three-part series into, um, into the Hobbit movies, um, into what worked and what didn't work why it failed because let's face it those movies you've not seen them paddy but our listeners they're not very good are they you can admit it now it's been enough years since they came out they're they're really bad the the first one's passable um but they they get progressively worse as it goes on um and yeah so Lindsay ellis did this incredible um series of, of documentaries effectively into um into the hobbit movies um the the mistreatment of the cast uh the mistreatment of the crew um, the way that it left a lasting negative impression on uh, working in filmmaking in New Zealand as well because of changes to New Zealand laws. Um, it had a, <laughs> had a serious damaging effect on the country. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, those movies, they're not... I love I love the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's one of my favourite series of all time. I, I count them amongst my favourite films, but I have not very much time for the Hobbit films. Um, no. But if you want to talk about hokey, poorly executed romances, oh boy, the Hobbit movies have got it for them. We could. We okay. could oh, we could, okay. Uh, do you remember how there was a big love triangle in the Hobbit book, Paddy? Yeah, yeah, I remember that being one of my favourite things about it. There was definitely was a between... big love triangle between a dwarf and two elves. No, but I thought it was between Bilbo, Gandalf, and the, and Smog the Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> You only love me for my gold. <laughs> but you never give me any of your gold. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, the the those Hobbit movies are something else. Um but yeah, and, and and I suppose that's kind of another example of trying to force a romantic plot into something which isn't necessarily required. Yeah. Um but at the same time in in Titanic and I I'm not a I'm not a lover of this film. I think some of it, some of it comes back to um, when I was a, a young'un getting incredibly bored of all of the stuff about, oh, everybody loves Leonardo DiCaprio and it's just the most romantic movie. Uh, you're time, you're a, a DiCaprio hater. Uh, yeah, I, can, I, still, I still have a little bit of that residual dislike for DiCaprio. Um, he hasn't, hasn't redeemed himself for some he has of not redeemed recent himself. efforts. We watched, um, although um, I do, I do the, really like The Wolf him Boy of Wall actor. Street. Oh, did you? Did you yeah. enjoy it? I actually did really enjoy it. Yeah. yeah, obviously it was it was overly long, but I thought his performance was fantastic in that. I thought he was very good. Yes, he's phenomenal in that. I'm not quite sure. I mean, he lost out on the Oscar that year to um, to our main man, uh, Dallas Buyers Club bloke. What's he called? Oh, oh Matthew McConaughey. 
Matthew McConaughey oh, right that year. And, and Darius Byers Club is a great film. Yeah, but, yes, that's, um, a, that's but an excellent I, film. I still think DiCaprio's performance in Wolf well, of Street. Well, Matthew McConaughey was considered for DiCaprio's role in Titanic and also for Billy Zane's role as well. Why could he not have played all of the roles? He could have <laughs> Matthew could McConaughey's have Titanic, a one-man show. Yeah, he could have played um, Kathy Bates's character. Yep. Could the have played unsink- the iceberg. Could have played the Matthew ship. McConaughey. I would, I would pay good money to see Matthew McConaughey's Titanic one-man show on stage. I would. I would as well. That would be incredible. Matthew, if you're listening. If you're listening. Um, I know you listen every week. For you. Um, and, but, but yeah, I, but I think um, whereas a lot of movies of this ilk fall down, I genuinely do think that Titanic is a very well-put-together movie, a very well-paced movie. Um, and I think that the the romance, although it is very hokey, it does feel quite genuine. Yeah, the, the performances are very, very good. I think the the reason that sort of retroactively we feel that it doesn't work is just because it's it's overly long, and the 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 romantic plot is grafted onto a whole bunch of other stuff. And I think the first time you see it, it's good, but the second time you see it, you you want things to happen a little bit faster. And when it's like there's tw- literally 20 minutes of like blokes pissing about on submarines in the ruins at the bottom of the sea at the beginning, you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, come on. <laughs> like, on with oh, it. come on. The Bill Paxton <laughs> bits are amazing. It was wonderful little um, earring. Yeah. So just I, I think he tries to pack way too much into it, which at the time people perhaps mistook for genius. But it has created a legacy, um, which is undeniable. And, it you know, it's amazing that he had that kind of vision. But I think we're perhaps more fickle. Film goes these days are a bit, a bit less willing to tolerate things that are bloated or overly long. Although, having said that, the success of you know, of you know Justice League and Avengers: Infinity War and whatever. Like I, I was, I was going to say, do you want to go and watch twenty Marvel movies back to back, Paddy? No. <laughs> Um, I th- but I think um, again, like Titanic, kind of paved the way for those kind of films to be acceptable because it's it is nearly three hours long. It Titanic, is a, yeah, no, it's three or, hours and fourteen minutes. It's over three hours long, bloody yeah. Um, it is. A, it well, is that's a, what it said on the, on the Netflix counter. Anyway, it is a monster of a film. It's unbelievably long, and like that's now the not not necessarily the expected length. Um, of a big budget movie but you look at like um you look at the avengers movies for instance and if you if you come out of the avengers movie with under two and a half hours some people are going to be disappointed and feel like they missed out on something yeah the last um, jedi and, is quite long as well isn't it yes the last jedi is unbelievably long and it kind of feels it not quite but it kind of feels a bit long in in places um and and yeah so titanic kind of paved the way for it um but i i, I think like the main the main issue with Titanic in terms of its lasting legacy is that it was a victim of its own success. And like there's always a backlash against a popular film. It, it's it's inevitably going to happen. And I think um the bigger the success of it, particularly when it is, you know, made by someone who's trying to push the boundaries of filmmaking, uh, the worse that backlash gets over time. So like if if you look at avatar the backlash to avatar is, is unbelievable mm. but people say much it's like, worse oh, than titanic what? actually isn't yeah it? And, and people are saying like oh how did this movie make so much it's like well because it was a, a pioneering film in terms of 3d filming and it put more effort into its 3d filming than like most films do today 
it's, it's a in, in terms of um, and that's what you get with Cameron is in terms of technical marvel and technical filmmaking ability he is one of the best in the business um and he's always yeah, willing that, to that's take that's und- undeniable steps. yeah he's always willing to take those extra, extra steps to make something that is spectacular and pushes the boundaries of filmmaking which which you know is is a great thing to do um but at the same time that kind of feels it kind of feels that it comes at the expense of taking risks with a with a plot and taking risks when it comes to the narrative of the films themselves yes definitely you always you almost feel like perhaps he'd be better left to the technical side of things only and then you'd want him to work with somebody who could who was better at providing you know narrative intrigue and that kind of thing but I mean, he's worked with a bunch of different people throughout his career and not everything that he's been involved in has been all of his i mean he is an auteur there's no doubt about it but a lot of the other films that he's worked on he has worked with other people so he's not like an egomaniacal guy either he's just got a lot of huge vision and knows exactly how he wants it executed and it just it doesn't always work but again he's he's populist as well a lot of people who have this kind of huge vision don't always manage to make it really popular as well to be able to synthesize that with a love story that was genuinely very very popular is a gift yeah and 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 that is that is really something that needs to be you know spoken about is how it's very rare that you see someone with this level of huge popular success being able to to share a vision and being able to push the boundaries of um of filmmaking and so it's great to it's great to see this kind of thing um yeah and like you look at you look at like the abyss you look at terminator 2 in terms of uh, visual effects um you look at the way that titanic did all of its filming and all of its practical effects that what's what's fascinating about titanic as well is the level of um detail i suppose that went into recreating the titanic um and i don't know if you've seen much about how um how the film was made but he effectively recreated the titanic to a t from a from a design perspective he he basically built a titanic Yes, well, I don't think he built like a life-size Titanic, but like the way that all of the the rooms are laid out and the way that the ship looks and um, and everything like that, um, even down to like the little nods to people who are on board the ship, like John Jacob Astor and people like that. Um, yeah, it all it all reflects most of the people really portrayed happened. were real people. Yes, yeah, and it, it it all it all reflects what really happened effectively. Um, I mean, they they took some liberties here and there, obviously, and there, there's a few people that are like, oh well, this person didn't act quite like that. But in terms of like yeah. the historical events and the 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 actual practical effects of and the and the practical sets and everything like that, it's as genuine as you're going to get, basically. Yeah, and, and that's a that's a wonderful uh, thing for him to do. He was concerned with authenticity in terms of it making a great and accessible film rather than authenticity in terms of making sure that every historical detail was accurate. And some people can't deal with that. Yeah, but, you know, it's a film. It's going to happen. Yeah, um, exactly. There's, there's, there's always that thing that's going to happen. So I'm sure that Titanic nerds are upset by it. In fact, um, <laughs> my, my, uh, my good friend Rudy was, um, is a, like a leading expert historian on the Titanic and obviously hates this film and has a lot of issues with it. Um, but I think he'd say the same thing. At least he'd admire Cameron's commitment to try and doing something on such a large scale. I think 
I said Cameron's commitment to telling it through a love story, which was the thing he thought would make it populist and which he absolutely succeeded in. That was the number one concern over historical detail. And that's just how it is. You know, how else yeah. are you going to do it? And unless you want to make a documentary. And to be fair to Cameron, like, because he, if he had, he had access to the wreckage, he had all this under, this underwater equipment and stuff. If he wanted to do a documentary about the Titanic, he actually could have done an amazing job on that as well. And he did um, do a couple of documentaries, didn't he? Um, James I think Cameron, so, about, yeah. About underwater filming. I don't know if either of them was specifically about the Titanic, but he did one about, um, he did one about sort of like the, uh, the ruins of the deep and like deep sea like life and things like that yeah um a deep dive so he's so he's done he, he's done some interesting stuff um so yeah actually yeah having a look at this he did a film called ghosts of the abyss um which is uh about james cameron and bill paxton um traveling to okay. the undersea resting place of the ill-fated ship so so All he right. did do cool. a they did a documentary as well um, I don't know how how extensive it is, but um, but like they did, he did do that alongside it. I I guess, yeah, and I guess the problem does come in Titanic where it is framed around a a love story, and it is a decent love story as well. You can see why people yeah. love it um, from a story perspective. It just like it feels like it's kind. I I suppose in the eyes of some people, it feels like a cheap way to get into this subject matter. Yeah, but it is it's mostly believable. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it, it it is mostly believable. It is just that matter of um yeah, whether whether it's the correct way to tell the story of the Titanic, but at the same time, how do you make a I mean, you could make like a do, uh, a documentary or you could make like a biopic, I suppose, but where would that pull be in terms of getting a production company on board? Getting There's no correct way to do it. But it was it's good of James Cameron to acknowledge that you know those kind of stories are popular and that documentaries just aren't popular. That's that's a fact. That's the kind of thing. It's you know people people a lot of people don't read books. You know, as someone who works in books, it seems like books are popular, but the market for books is small. The market for documentaries is small, whereas the market for you know big blockbuster fiction romantic films is just so much bigger. And it was then and still is now. So for him to try and do that to cross over into popular culture and have this kind of huge effect. It's fair enough, you know, I can't see how else you could have done that to try and get that story across. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. It, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it may seem a bit cheap, but how else was he going to get this story told um, in a way that, that connected with an audience and an audience that's used to traditional popcorn fodder? How are they going to connect with the characters and make the events of the film feel that much more impactful? Um, and yeah, and th- and that's why. So... I guess we should briefly chat about like the plot and characters as well. We've done a lot of talking about the film itself and where it sits and its legacy and things like that. But as a movie, how do you feel about Titanic? I feel like it's okay. You know, their romance is, is mostly believable. As I said, it's like, although there are bits where it's kind of, she's very, very spirited, but also marrying this sexist pig. And it's kind of con- it's kind of convenient her the way she is and the way a lot of the characters is always just seems to change slightly depending on context in a way that is just mildly inconsistent. But you know it's it's fine. You know it's it's believable still. And she's her performance is genuinely is generally very good. His performance is great. You know you believe his story. 
just about as some some kid kind of running you know running from responsibility perhaps or just kind of a young young hip guy you know yeah there's nothing wrong with it that's good how do you feel about yeah, it there's there's an energy to there's an energy to leo's performance that's great and it's kind of captivating um i i i think like the performances in it are really good um they're all a little bit there's not a lot of nuance here uh, for, for yeah, any of the characters yeah. really you've got like he's the plucky young guy she's um like the sad romantic interest i feel like her lack of agency would be a bit of a sticking point these days yes um, i think that's what i was getting at really it's yeah. kind of she's just um, bouncing around between men and it's not like she still has much to do with it she just kind of latches on to one man who's who's nice and not sexist and not violent like her um like her fiance uh but it's still ultimate she's still ultimately defined by a man yeah and and her her a- actions of agency kind of leave a bit of a a weird feeling so like when she does do things of her own accord when she's out to rescue jack for instance that's all great but um but before that point she jumps off one of the lifeboats um to go back onto the ship and it's just like yeah we could have fit two more kids on that lifeboat mate and that's if you like made that would decision you, earlier yeah that's like would you really have done that in that situation having known this guy for all of like what three days yeah uh, you, i don't know that's, probably, that feels, that's a bit unbelievable it's, you probably wouldn't do that um and and yeah <laughs> still I, I i was kind of thinking in the back of my head it's like yeah you probably could have fitted two more kids into that lifeboat <laughs> a bit selfish there <laughs> just like well i need to go find the love of my life fuck you people who want to get on this yeah. lifeboat i'm rich sorry dead um, kids <laughs> <laughs> sorry dead kids you don't have a chance um and uh and and yeah so that so she doesn't show very much agency which is a bit of a shame and and there's a couple of things that kind of date it in that way but it's it's important to remember that how this movie is very old now um 20 years 20 years old um there's there's a there's a sort of offhand line where where she's like oh it was like slavery it's like really wasn't like slavery um yeah very difficult situation but you wouldn't say making making that kind of comment about being on a ship and comparing your situation to slavery um no you would not you would not put that in a film these days um and her kind of her melancholia is a bit overly dramatic isn't it yes yeah it's all a bit over the top obviously she is in a horrible situation um but at the same time, it's it's a little bit off-putting. Um, but we but then we're shown her we're shown her reaction to her situation before we're shown the situation. You know, you you see her being all sad and melancholy and stuff, and then a couple of scenes later, you've got him like throwing over the table or whatever. I mean, I guess that, I guess that's that's kind of how the plot works. But I feel like you could have perhaps reversed the order of those two things. Yeah, you didn't need necessarily that kind of voiceover stuff at that point. Um, to kind of nail it home you the, the audience is going to understand that that is a bad situation by the time they see what's happening in it you don't need someone to say this is the worst thing that's ever happened to a human being in the history of human life um that kind of thing um but then the the sort of supporting cast is all great obviously billy zane i love in this film he's my favorite thing about this movie every yeah. moment he's on screen i'm just like yes you go billy zane you go he's evil great. for no goddamn reason he's well evil um, and it's it's kind of he, his he evil is. is definitely overdone as well. It's like he didn't need to be domestically violent. Actually, like just being like a bit of a sexist pig would have been enough. But it does what it needs to do, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. He is he is 
unbelievably over the top and his whole obsession with we've got to get the diamond back um is is brilliant and i love it and it's so so completely it, it's no one even even the most cold-blooded rich person would be thinking i need that diamond back at that point in time yeah because he no he's, um, he's like the heir to some steel fortune or whatever yeah he he'd be fine he'd just be like well i want to get off this boat see you later um and uh and yes so that that whole thing that whole sort of subplot i find absolutely hilarious and you've got the um, butler man it, as well who in my head is always charles dance but he's not charles dance he's not charles dance but i kind of wish it was charles Dance. he's that guy That'd who's a bit like a sort of more grizzled charles dance yeah charles shuffle yeah um, um, and then he comes back to try and kill kill um, young Jack again when the ship is sinking again. It's like if the ship was sinking, would you be bothered about going back to kill someone? You would if you're an no. evil butler. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, I know I've been told to go and take care of the situation by my boss, but we both might be dead in the Atlantic in about two hours' time. So I'm just going to make sure I get off this goddamn boat. Um, that that would probably be someone's priority at that point, and and it's those kind of moments that kind of make the film drag a little bit. Like as as enjoyable as they are, they're still a bit like, oh come on, get to the bit where the Italian guy gets crushed by a bit of the boat. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, Fabrizio, who doesn't even get a surname, he's just Fabrizio. No, just Fabrizio. Poor Fabrizio gets and he in, he gets to say bastardo when the guy yes. shoots the shoots the his Irish friend. Of course, the Irish guy gets shot by the English idiot which is i mean that's a pretty good metaphor for 1920s um yeah. history right there <laughs> i don't know if that's what cameron was in was trying to do but you know i enjoyed it um and uh and, and but yeah old fabrizio I've, you kind of feel badly for him because it's like oh he's managed to win this ticket to america in a poker game with his with his buddy jack and then his literally buddy jack five minutes kinda... before the ship sails <laughs> Yes, and then they run and, they <laughs> and then they're running to get then, on the ship, as if you'd be gambling a ticket for a ship that was sailing in five minutes' time. Anyway, no, you'd you'd probably be like, you know what? I better get to that ship now. It's going to leave in five minutes. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so he gets on this boat with his buddy Jack, and then his buddy Jack just disappears to go and be with a rich woman, and leaves Fabrizio to his own device and is like, oh, I thought we were going to have a nice little trip over the Atlantic, and then obviously yeah. he dies. And it's like, oh, Fabrizio, it was supposed mate. it was supposed to be like a bro road movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed to be like Richard Linklater's Titanic about two yeah. men uh, and their platonic relationship on this cr- in these cramped conditions on this boat. But instead, no, his buddy runs off and is all like, oh, I'm going to go romance Rose. Uh, yeah. Fabrizio gets left to his own devices and then he dies. And it's like, oh, probably shouldn't have got on that boat, Fabrizio, should you? He gets crushed um, by the ship. <laughs> and, and obviously Fabrizio both Fabrizio and Jack they wouldn't have been on the records of the ship it would have been Sven and Olaf or whatever they're called the two guys yeah. at the beginning so like Fabrizio's mum would be all like what happened to my son he just disappeared he was yeah. in <laughs> he was gone. in England he was in England and then I never heard from him ever again she'd she'd be left wondering that like for the rest of her life what happened to Fabrizio yeah which is terrible um, which is really awful and it's like no one cares about Fabrizio what I care about Fabrizio we on this yeah. podcast care about Fabrizio. Justice for Fabrizio. Justice for Fabrizio. Hashtag justice for Fabrizio. <laughs> Hashtag it's justice for Fabrizio. I'm going um, to start, yeah, he gets gonna a really... start a GoFundMe to get a statue of Fabrizio. <laughs> yeah, I want, I want a statue it, of Fabrizio. It, in my garden. And I want it, 
I want it to be put outside James Cameron's house and just with a little plaque yep. saying, remember what you did. <laughs> Hashtag never forget. Never forget Fabrizio. And yeah, so every time I watch this movie, I'm just like, oh man, it's really sad. And like, everyone forgets about Fabrizio until he then dies at the end. And it's just like, oh mate, so sad. Yeah. Poor Fabrizio. He gets a very raw deal. He does indeed. Um, and and yeah, and and but overall, I think like the characters in this movie are really they're quite memorable. The performances are really memorable as well. Um, and like so, so in terms of casting, it's really good. It, there is just that slight clash of half the movie feels like a romance movie, half of the movie feels like a disaster movie. Yeah. Um, and you got and the framing is... of the the woman, the older woman telling the story, the old version of Rose telling her life story to them, which always pops up when you just don't really need it. It's it's actually it, actually the framing of that, and then it being in the past tense really reminded me of the Bridges of Madison County, and I think it's because <laughs> yeah, I can um, see that. It's made around the same similar time. It's just a couple of years later. And the, the aesthetic of it is kind of like that on a much grander scale, isn't it? Yeah, is it, it is the same kind of thing. It's like, oh, back when I was young. Um, and m- one of my favorite things, right, is um, is like I, I have this little joke going on that Rose is like mega selfish. And, and part of that is, you know, the whole, hey, screw you kids. You don't get to get on this lifeboat. I'm getting off as it's leaving this is going to go with one person less than it should have um and um and the other thing that i love is at the end when she throws the um the diamond into the water um yeah and it's like i mean this is like a huge historical artifact that would go into a museum this is like a huge historical find that these guys um, have spent literally like millions of dollars trying to and they've spent mil- with all they their, their lives all trying their to find it this is like the most important thing in their lives. The most important thing in like hundreds of these people's lives is finding this this gem. And at the end, she's just like, "Well, see ya." You Bye. gave me the chance to reminisce about this most in, like one of the most important parts of my lives by bringing me onto this boat. But I don't care. See ya. I don't care about your goals. Here, I'm going to drop this into the ocean for my dead boyfriend from like a hundred years ago. Yeah, it's an unnecessary dick move, isn't it? Yeah, she can piss off. I bet she would have made Brexit. She she would definitely have been a Brexiteer. <laughs> she's a she's a gammon for sure. But Prime I, um, gammon. In my memory, um, I thought that she jumped into the sea. <laughs> like you know when like because <laughs> she climbs up on the rail halfway and it looks as if she's going to jump in. And if you haven't seen it for a while, my memory was like, oh yeah, does she jump in the sea? <laughs> does she like go down to <laughs> that be with been him? Great. Like that, but you you wouldn't. The film is so schmaltzy that you wouldn't have put it past it for her to jump to jump in there and like kill herself so that she could be with him at the bottom of the sea. Yeah, and and you kind of get that little dream sequence at the end. Yeah, um, where you're kind of like, oh well, this this woman like Rose clearly found love again and like had this family, but you know her last her last her last dream sequence vision is to be back on board the titanic yeah with a man so she knew for weird. 3 days versus her husband of probably 60 years yeah i mean and everyone's everyone's had that steamy um sex in the back of a back of a 1910s car on board a boat you know that's happened to all of us at some point in our lives yeah the hand on the window we've all done it yeah all done it when back when i was on the titanic that's what i did as well 
Um, but <laughs> but yeah, that's not a reason to like for your dying dream, your dying thoughts to be, oh yes, this guy that I had a fling with. And I, and I understand that it's all supposed to be romantic and everything like that. But, yeah, yeah. That's the, the big the, romantic climax at the end. It does get you a little bit, doesn't it? But that's, it's yeah, super Yeah, it does cheesy. a little bit. It is unbelievably cheesy. And, and this is the kind of film where there's like, because it's so, it packs so much in and it doesn't really give anything enough time to really settle, those kind of questions do crop up in your head where you're just like, that's stupid, that doesn't make sense. Because there's that, that authenticity, although there's lots of authenticity there from a visual perspective, the, the authenticity from a character and plot perspective isn't there. Um, yeah. Because it's trying to do too much, basically. Which is it would have been fine for it to just end with like the shot of her lying in the bed with all the photos of her throughout her life around her. That would have been fine. It could have just ended there, credits roll, fine. It's, that would have made the film, what, three hours and 12 minutes instead of three hours and 14 minutes. So it's still too long. Yes. But that would have been fine. But no, it's it's not subtle in any way. There's no there's no subtlety to it. No, it's incredibly heavy handed with everything, um, and that's fine. You know, you can do that, but it is it is quite a silly film, I'd say. Yeah, there are bits of it. Yeah, that are a bit silly. I mean, I, like I I get a bit of a kick out of the flooding action scenes. They are quite thrilling, but there's there's about an hour of them. That's the only thing. After a while, you're like, okay. I've seen enough of like the Titanic underwater of people trying to get through gates while the water's rushing in and that kind of thing. We're good now. Get to the point. Yeah, it and and that's the thing is like if it was like a purely action-based film it would be amazing. Those action scenes are incredible. Um yeah. the way that the way that they're shot and everything like that. You can tell that from a from an action and visual perspective James Cameron's incredible filmmaker. He's great. He's one of the best. And like when you see those scenes, you're just like, oh, wow, this is good. But they go on for too long. And the movie's already too long by the time that they kick in. Um, and so it's all a bit like, uh, I'm getting a bit bored now. It is cool that she gets to swing the axe. That's fun. Yes. Yeah. That's the one point um, where it feels like she does have agency. Yeah. that and, and that literally is the only part of the film where she does have that kind of um, everything is in her own hands. She has that that fate in her own hands kind of thing going on um but that's the only time where it really happens um but but yeah that's one of the coolest scenes in the film really yeah and you know you got you got the captain and the architect mr andrews those are two quite good roles as well both of them just kind of completely stunned and then end up going down with the ship just standing there which i think is what happened more or less yeah that is what happened i think um that's uh, that's and cool. yeah, that's it's... good reminder of the the tragedy of it the feeling like that that they had done something really wrong when it wasn't necessarily their fault, you know? I mean, obviously, yeah, you, you do have to blame the captain for not for not being able to see the iceberg, but, you know, it's a combination of things. I don't want to get into that. I'm sure some Titanic nerds can write in to tell us whether it was or was not the captain's fault. But Well, again, it was a, it was a, huge, it was a huge variety of different reasons why it happened. Um, and, um, and, and part of it all goes back to the creation of the ship itself so it's like the initial wrongs of what caused the titanic to sink actually started years and years and years before the actual sinking um so there's lots of contributing factors basically um and so like yeah they kind of pin it on him a little bit too much but what else are you going to do in a movie that's already three and a bit hours long yep and the captain is um king theoden from lord of the rings isn't it it is theoden king yeah 
He's got. His, um, you can see it in his face. He's getting ready for it. He's yeah. I mean, if he had a horse on him, when the when the Titanic was sinking, he'd be fine. There weren't enough horses in this film. That's, that's no, there weren't. To say. <laughs> it it needed more horses. Not after twenty. Not enough horses. Not even Ooh. sea horses. Come on. Yeah. You could afford all these giant submarines, James Cameron, but you couldn't afford a horse. I call bullshit. <laughs> Why was Jack not played by a horse? That's what I want to know. <laughs> by Bojack Horseman. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, dear. Yeah, so yeah, supporting cast are all good. All those action scenes and stuff are very good. And visually, it's pretty good pretty great isn't it i mean there's there's um, again nerds could quibble with it but it looks great even now 20 years on it looks very very good when a lot of films of that era have not aged well and that's true it really does still look great um and that's again down to like the practical effects the visual effects because a lot of it was done with like models sort of then that were then sort of like held up by by sort of like 3D effects modeling and things like that. So a lot of what you're seeing, that is like a real model. Uh, and that's part of the reason why it's held up so well, is that it wasn't just entirely built around CGI. Um, and that's part of the reason why it looks better than, for instance, Avatar does, where Avatar might be a, more, a, a newer film, but because it's based on a kind of 3D effects which is constantly evolving... Um, it feels that that much dated, that much quicker. It's almost not fair to compare them, though, is it? Because they're trying to do two completely different things. And again, for James Cameron to have done both of those things, you know, does show that he's a real talent. Oh yeah, definitely. It's um, it's uh, it's great. It's it's a really like it's it's never going to be one of my favorite movies, but you can still there's a lot of respect to be had for Titanic as a film. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think it doesn't get as much respect as it probably does, as it probably deserves. No, it's an easy touchstone for bloated schmaltz, isn't it? And I think especially the the music doesn't help that, does it? The the that famous song that was everywhere, and that's kind of seen as a very much a, jo- a jokey sort of hokey ballad, isn't it? Of the worst kind. And again, I think people are unfair to Celine Dion as well. It's she has the same kind yeah. of problem. <laughs> it's. Um... Yeah, Celine Dion is another person who's unbelievably popular, but also hated by a lot of people, I suppose. Um, and and yeah, so so she's kind of a perfect fit for this film. Um, and um, yeah, but it is a oh, it does get on your nerves, doesn't it? They 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 keep returning to the same theme over and over yeah, and over again. Yeah, they have the refrain. Yeah. That refrain comes back over and over again, and it, so it does yeah. great quite a lot by the time the film's over. And always with that that breathy synthesizer. <laughs> yeah you get that you get the little pan pipes it's yeah uh... there's nothing good can come of pan pipes <laughs> that's true that's true i think i've talked about this already but there are a lot of um albums on spotify if you search pan pipe covers of like popular songs but with the vocals replaced with pan pipes and some of them are like really weird upbeat popular songs like Chelsea Dagger by the Fratellis, but with the vocals replaced with panpipes and stuff. Oh my god, it's great. that's amazing! I love a bit of panpipes. It's, rela- it's relaxing. It is. Nothing's more relaxing than Chelsea Dagger played on panpipes. <laughs> is there like I Slayer's Raining Blood? So much. Is is there like Slayer's Raining Blood played on panpipes? 
Yeah. That I'd be down with that. That would be great. <laughs> but yeah, it it grates after a while. Again, I think because the film is just there's just too much going on. That the theme actually is a very, very good melody and it is very, very emotional and it does what it needs to do. But yeah, after a while you're just like, Oh, come on. I'm ready for a ready for a break now. Ready for a cup of tea. Yes, exactly. It is a, the kind of film that could definitely do with a, a, in, an intermission, like in the olden days. Yeah, well, they're talking about bringing it back, aren't they, for sort of the longer Marvel films and that kind of thing. There's there's been there's been talk of bringing back the intermission. What do you think? That's cool. Um, yeah, I guess it's kind of it's kind of a good idea. Um, the issue is like then the strain it puts on people working in cinemas if suddenly there's like hundreds and hundreds of people suddenly appear and are like hey hey i want my drink now i've only got 15 minutes to get it um whereas like previously there wasn't quite as much issue with that um i've only got 15 minutes to spend eight pounds on a hot dog (laughs) exactly um so so yeah i think it it could work and i don't know whether it's necessarily entirely needed um particularly it seems as though it would be more relevant in the past because you had to wait so long before you saw a film that you saw in the cinema again. Um, whereas now you've got to wait a few months and then it comes to like, you know, you can get it on DVD a few months after that it comes to Netflix or Amazon prime. Um, yeah. So it doesn't feel as though I was it's, glad it's that Titanic necessary. was on Netflix actually. Yes. Yeah. It's a good film to have on there. Um, yeah. Easy to find. Yeah. So um, it's, but yeah, so I don't know whether it's necessarily entirely needed again. It, it might be quite good for people to have that little break, but it's not as it won't be too long before you have to go and before you're able to see that film again in case you missed anything when you went to the loo or when you went to go get no. a drink. I just often really need to wee when I get out of films and it'd be nice to have a way around that. Yeah, and this movie would be particularly bad for it given all the water. There's a lot of running water in this film. <laughs> that's, that's true, yeah. So maybe well, maybe yeah, this was know, maybe well, this watching was, it in the uh, comfort of your own home is a different issue. But. Maybe this was Cameron just being like, you know what, I'm going to fucking irritate everybody. I'm going to make everyone need to wee <laughs> within like an hour of He's... my movie, and then they're going to have to sit around for another two hours before it's over. He's a big urine troll. Exactly. That that that's the reason why he made Titanic, not for pursuit of wonderful filmmaking. Just to just to yeah. irritate everybody. He's he's trolling us all. <laughs> definitely oh dear all right so here's so here's the thing kate winslet is married to a man called ned rock and roll are you aware of this what yeah he's he's richard branson's nephew so obviously that's not his real name but he legally changed his name to ned rock and roll oh my god that's the that's the worst thing i've ever heard in my life yeah, but she seems very happy, so I don't want to take that away from her. When I feel like she's she's had a couple of divorces and whatever, so if she's happy, then that's great. But I couldn't take that kind of person seriously. No, no, he's cool. I mean, Ned's not great, not a great name for a start. <laughs> if you were going to at least you the surname Rock and Roll, okay, that's douchey. Like all one word, Rock and Roll, and then but Ned, it just makes you think of Ned Flanders and Ned's Atomic Dustbin. Neither of which are bad, but <laughs> not something you want your name to be. It's true, yeah. You don't really want you don't really want your name to be Ned Rock and Roll, do you? 
It's, it's two awful, awful names put together into one absolute shit sandwich of a name. Get get out, Ned Rock and Roll. I hate you. I don't even know who you are, and I hate you. He can get out. He can definitely. He can get in the sea. Get in the sea. On the Titanic, just like the old lady did at the end of Titanic. <laughs> that's that's legitimately what happened. Legitimately I'll always happened. think that that's what happened. You know, in, in the back of your head, when even though you know that that's not what it's really like, that's always kind of there in the back of your head. I'll always think that. Yes, yeah, that, 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 I'm going to think that now as well. I think it's probably going to be that's gonna, now going to be a little Inception thing in my head. It's like, oh yeah, this is yeah. where the lady jumps into the water. Is that? Like, oh wait, no, she doesn't. It's just Paddy <laughs> tricking me. Yeah, and I hope that all our listeners have the same thing as well. If they ever watch Titanic, they'll be like, oh yeah, it's the film where the lady gets in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, right, uh, shall I move on uh, to some some trivia? Have you got anything else yes. to say? Nope, just wanted to say boo to Ned Rock and Roll. Let's have the trivia. Yeah, get out, Ned Rock and Roll. You don't even deserve to listen to my trivia. Um, <laughs> yeah, if Ned Rock and Roll, if you're listening, turn off now. <laughs> yeah, get out. Um, so the scene where Cal and Rose have a coffee and the scene where Cal has a tantrum and flips a table were ad-libbed by Billy Zane. So Kate Winslet's reactions oh. were natural. Very good. Um, because the movie um, had such a long theatrical run, Paramount had to send out replacement reels to theatres that had literally worn out their copies. Wow. That's impressive. Do they Are they still on reels now? Or is it all like no digital idea, files on a projector? I don't actually know. I'd be interested um, to know that. If any yeah. listeners work in cinemas or know that, drop us a line. Yeah, let us know. BigBoysDon'tCryPod at gmail.com. Twitter at BigBoysDon'tPod. Love to hear from you. If a projectionist yeah, is still us. a thing, we'd love to know. Um, so so the next bit of trivia, and this kind of shows like James Cameron's thinking, that um, the hand scene sketching rows are not Leonardo DiCaprio's, but are instead James Cameron's. Um, oh. In post-production, Cameron, who is left-handed, mirror-imaged the sketching shots so the artist would appear to be right-handed like DiCaprio. Was he that desperate to see a pair of boobs? <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> no, I wonder what the reason for that was. Maybe maybe Leo could only draw like stick figures of Batman. Yeah. And that was it. Whereas James <laughs> so, Cameron's so, like, really looks down, good. Yeah, he looks down and just sees... Um, <laughs> like he like he shows her the picture and it's just pa- batman with a pair of boobs and that's it <laughs> yeah, i made this for you i'll let you know those um <laughs> those memes of where donald trump drawing stuff in his little book it's just oh like yes that. yeah it's like an horse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> draw me like one of your gotham superheroes <laughs> um, that was the film that james cameron wanted to make Yes, that's what he wanted. He wanted someone to be drawing Batman naked. That's what he wanted. Yeah, he'll get there. Um, so so this was the be- the first uh, Best Picture Academy Award winner to be produced, directed, written and edited by the same person. Um, Tommy Wiseau obviously couldn't get that, but at least yeah, he tried the a, same thing. That's a shame. Yeah, he tried. He he did everything right in terms of submitting it to the awards and having it play in the cinema for the right length of time. So you you know, at least he was committed to it. Yes. Yeah, he um, you know, went all out for it. 
Yeah, you um, can't fault him. No. Um, I, that'll probably do for... Um, that'll probably do for trivia, I suppose. Cool. Already, oh, already said a few. I, I don't want to bog, bog you down with too much. No, that's good. And it, it, it's interesting, just... It is a very interesting film, factually, just in terms of all the things that he... that All the awards that it won, all the, the stuff that went into it, and how groundbreaking it was in that way. So I guess there's been a lot of... Um, a lot of trivia throughout this. Yes, yeah, there's been a this has been a trivia heavy episode, I suppose. Um, yeah, so sorry no, if that's good. not your thing. No, it's all it's all good. So how are we how are we going to rate this? Mm, it's a difficult one. Mm, I can't. Oh, I'm having difficulty here. How many people are in line to be king of the world? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, will that do? Or, oh, mm, let me think. No, you're right. It's gone. I had something about um how many about Fabrizio being crushed underneath the ship and how many times we need to play that to James Cameron before he gives Fabrizio <laughs> justice. But that's 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 a little bit long-winded. It's just like on, is, a, on a loop I, I on like a big it. screen outside his house. I like it. I think we'll go with both at the same time. One for the shortness and one for the how my heart truly feels. Yeah. Um, sure. <laughs> yeah, so what's, what's, your, what's your score then out of 20? Um, I'm going to give it a 12, I think. Mm-hmm. Which I think is actually probably maybe lower than it, than it goes. But I think just because it, it did feel so overly long to me that I think... But that, that's a mark now. I'm sure at the time were we doing this at the time and it had just come out, I'd score it much higher than that, probably. Maybe in the 14, 15 range. Um, how about you? Yeah, so I'd give it a um, I'd give it a 13, I think. Um, so around the same thing. It, it's not a movie that I've ever been particularly enamoured by, but I still respect it a lot for what it's achieved. Um, and yeah, so it's a, it's a... If you want a kind of popcorn fodder movie... Um, and you like a bit of romance and you like a little bit of Italians being crushed by parts of ships, um, then it's got it's got both of those things for you. That's what um, that's so what I look for in a film. It is, yeah. Um it's 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 if you if you watched Captain Corelli's Mandolin and you thought, this is a piece of shit, but this kind of thing could go quite well, then watch Titanic, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. It's it's sort of like a cross between Captain Corelli's Mandolin and the Bridges of Madison County, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you watched those two movies and hated them but thought there was some potential, go and watch Titanic. Yeah, if you watch, if you enjoyed both of those films but wanted them to be in a three-hour epic, including lots of really cool underwater stuff, this is the film for you. Yeah, yeah. So I, I Claire's just people. just passed me her phone and it says apparently several actors were injured while shooting the famous sinking scene in Titanic after they fell and struck parts of the ship. The injuries suffered range from broken bones to ruptured organs. Ouch. Wow. Yeah. So David, it's, yeah, uh, it's a dangerous business as well. He um he doesn't he doesn't mess around, does he, James Cameron? Yeah. There's quite a so, lot of injuries you know, that happen. I I'm sure that injuries happen on film sets quite a lot, but that's an interesting one. Just because obviously trying to recreate something where people were going to have been injured and dying anyway, then yeah. Oh well. Just, I have to tell you as well that Kate Winslet got pneumonia from doing all the underwater scenes. She nearly died. She nearly died. 
Oh, wow. Okay. That's that's very similar to The Abyss then, where I think, yeah, Ed Harris nearly died in the making of The Abyss. Yeah. Um, but so, so we're allowed James to talk Cameron, about it, though. James, James Cameron might um, might enjoy filming underwater, but his actors don't. Yeah, they don't like it. They should, they should, they, none of them have ever done any more underwater films subsequently, and I guess there's a reason. Not because <laughs> yeah. there aren't that many underwater films being made, of course. They're being made all the time. You know, um, they had that Bridges of Madison County underwater, you know. There's that Justice one episode League of underwater. that's underwater. Well, the next Justice League movie is Aquaman, <laughs> which I imagine is going to have lots of stuff underwater. Yeah, see? Um, this stuff so, writes itself. Here's a little bit of trivia for you from The Abyss. So Ed, Ed Harris nearly drowned um, oh, uh, when, sh- when, during the filming. So he was filming a scene where he had to hold his own breath at the bottom of the uh, submerged set. Um, he ran out of air and gave the signal for oxygen. Um but the safety driver got hung up on a cable and couldn't get to him with more oxygen. Oh shit. Yeah. That's terrible. Um, yeah, so he nearly he nearly drowned in the making of it. Um That's that's really bad. That sounds much worse than getting pneumonia. No offense to um Kate Winslet. Yes. I almost said Kate Kate Middleton then for reason <laughs> reasons that will become clear. Um, <laughs> well, I can tell you now, I guess, which is that I'm thinking for the next film, if if the timing works out and we're able to somehow get hold of it, we should talk about the Prince Harry and Meghan Markle Lifetime film on the next episode because it comes out on Sunday the 13th of May. So if this episode cool. goes out this Friday, it's the Sunday after that. So hopefully we should be able to get hold of it in time. Okay, I'm down with that. We'll see if we can get hold of it. Yeah. If not, I have a backup, but I think okay. we really, really have to jump on that film because just as a follow up to our William and Kate, the movie episode, which remains one of our most popular episodes and I think was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I'd be I'd be game for that. Cool. Definitely. So fingers crossed that'll be that'll be next time. Excellent stuff. Cool. Do you have anything else to add? I think I think we're good. No, I think that's everything. Yeah. So, you know, well done, James Cameron. Yes. We like you. Yeah, it's, we like you. You're good. Yeah. Keep um, up the good work. Yes. That, but don't make five more Avatar movies like you're planning, because I think we'll all get bored of them. Yes. Although I, I still need to watch the first one. I'm, still, I'm interested to see it at some point. Well, yeah. Let me know what you think when you do watch it, because... It's probably yeah. dated incredibly poorly <laughs> since it released. Can can you watch it in three D in two D or does it have to be three D? Oh, that's the kind it of can point be of seen it, in, it? it can be seen in three D as well. because okay. um, I hate as a as an already bespectacled person, three D glasses are the worst. Yeah, yeah, they're they're fine for people who have like perfect vision, but they're ridiculous if they don't. They should yeah. make little things to put on top of glasses already you like yeah. you should be able to even get the glasses or like goggles that fit over the top of your your vision already yeah little little clippy boys I, yeah i mean they probably do exist but i've never seen them if i've ever gone to the cinema and seen a 3d film not that i've only i've only done it once or twice for the exact reason that it always looks rubbish um i've only ever been able to have to pay extra to buy a pair of very flimsy 3d glasses and that i'm expected to wear over my existing glasses very uncomfortably yeah, it's not great. 
it's one of those areas where they really should have thought of an alternative by now. Yeah. What are you doing, James Cameron? Sort it out. Yeah, come on, get on with it. Ridiculous. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, in that case, I think we can we can leave it there, lest we we end up with another podcast that's the same length as the film. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Cool. Yeah, that would be a real achievement, actually, if we could get to three hours and fourteen minutes. I mean, that would be fantastic. Yeah. More of an achievement than Table 19, anyway, which was the, the <laughs> film where we did the episode that was the same length. Yeah, that, I, that was quite special, actually. It was, it was very special. Much yeah. more special than the film. Cool. All right, well, as always, thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, do leave us a review and a rating on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It always helps us get more people, makes us feel nice, and it'll make you feel nice, too. So, yes, please do. Yes. Rate, rate do. comment, and subscribe. Subscribe, please. We want all of your yeah. listening. All right. And we'll be back next week to talk about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, a, ro- a royal romance. Hopefully. Yes. Bring it. Bring it. <laughs> all right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.